Today in the Join the Word podcast, we pick up in the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 2. It begins with the section, Jesus changes water into wine. And this is his first documented miracle. And it says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. Some translations say, My hour has not yet come. And Jesus is referring to the work he does on the cross when he says that. So his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So presumably they're empty because Jesus says to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And like it said, these jars could hold 20 to 30 gallons of water and they're used uh, by traditional standards for cleansing rituals for their hands or feet, household objects, not necessarily dictated by the law of Moses, but understood in Jewish tradition. So they filled the water to the brim of these jars. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. So he reveals his glory because he transformed the water into wine. And he showed through this miracle that he intends to bring transformation. Jesus now clears the temple and he does this in a place called Capernaum. And it's about 16 miles away from where he just was at the wedding. So it says, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? So the reason that the cattle, the sheep, the doves, all of those were there is because they were required for sacrifice. And Jews who came a great distance had to be able to buy these animals somewhere near the temple. And so whenever they began to sell them in the outer areas of the temple, that's completely different than somewhere along the road on the way. And so they sort of turned the temple itself into 
a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And that's from Psalm 69, verse 9. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And of course, they thought he was referring to the temple where they were, the temple that was built by Zerubbabel. Um, We've talked about that being the second temple, but he's referring to himself, his body, him being the temple, him being the place that we go to be in the presence of God and that he will rebuild it in three days when he rises again. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. Then moving on to chapter 3, Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So he goes in secret because he doesn't want people to think that he's beginning to believe Jesus. So he goes at night and he's asking him, like, how are you able to do these things? In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. You'll remember that story from the book of Numbers in chapter 21. It picks up in verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way, and they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. So the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. 
They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on the pole. When anyone was bitten by the snake and looked up at the bronze snake, he lived. So that snake represents death, the curse of sin and death, and it was hung on a pole. And so Jesus, who took on the curse of sin and death for us, just like what that snake represented, he took that on. And when people look up to him and see the weight of the world of sin that he took on for us, that is when we may have eternal life. Now picking back up in verse 16 with probably the most famous verse in all of scripture, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. And then the next section is John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Jordan countryside where he spent some time with him and baptized. Now John was also baptizing because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was, of course, before John was put into prison, and that's in parentheses there. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from heaven is above all. The one who is from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God, gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. 
And that ends chapter 3. We will pick up next time in John chapter 4.